Welcome to Our Story, the podcast. Every month, Pastor Mark from Harmony Toluca Lake sits down with a guest to discuss their journey of faith from an inclusive, affirming point of view. These personal stories are part of a colorful tapestry of individual life experiences that transcend the boundaries of church by connecting us all together, collectively, through faith, hope, and love. This is Our Story. Hey everyone, Pastor Mark here with Harmony Toluca Lake, and this is an affirming faith community and the second campus of Hollywood United Methodist Church. I have the great pleasure of meeting and having a conversation with the awesome Beth Mueller, uh, one of Harmony's members, and we are together in a conversation here in the uh, sanctuary at Harmony, and it is a beautiful day. It is. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> so we recently uh, had a sermon series that was uh, very well received called Reshaped. Right. And so in that, we focused on the topic of change. And so I, I just want to tie into that on a lighthearted question for you is that if you could change, let's say, the color of the sky, and you were changing the color of the sky, what color would you choose uh, for that change, and how do you think people would react to that decision? Hmm. Interesting question. Uh, thanks for the softball. I think I would like to see what color the sky was pre-industrial revolution and see what color the blue was. And I'm remembering during the pandemic when things stopped and traffic stopped and all around the world people were acknowledging that the air was cleaner and it looked better. I'd like to see what that blue was like, you know, thousands of years ago, even. Make that a new Crayola color. Oh, I bet you it was gorgeous. I think so, yeah. And I think what would it, how would it affect people? It would just maybe help us see the difference that we make with the choices that we make about, you know, what we drive and what we burn and how we fuel our lives. Um, and hopefully it would help us have a goal to... Um, make it a better world, you know, environmentally. Yeah. Right. Did you, do you remember what it looked like during the pandemic whenever? Yeah, it was beautiful. Right? And it was quiet. Clear sky. Yeah. And in yeah. fact, L.A. suddenly was getting a great reputation, uh, reputation of being one of the best cities in the world. Right, yeah. And India, too. All over India, people were, like, uh, so surprised that the color of the sky was clear. And it just took, you know, a week or so to blow it out of there and clear mm -hmm. it up. And, we can do this. <laughs> yes, we can. All right, so let's dig into uh, talking about your faith journey uh, right. over time. And so one of the uh, first questions that I have for you is, who in your mind, I want you to think back, who in your mind created uh, an impression for you, the first memory of a loving, uh, accessible God? Mm. I suspect there are many before fourth grade, but I'm going to talk about one from fourth grade. I went to a Catholic school, and I got an excellent education there. And I remember my fourth grade teacher, Sister Rock, and she, we were in the middle of the school year, and we were going to have a new student come. And this was in Minnesota. And the new student uh, was coming from California, oddly enough, and... Sister Rock took me out of the classroom before the student got there. And I remember standing in the hallway, and she was telling me that I was going to be Leanne's friend, 
and I was going to make sure that Leanne had friends and she was included with the things that we did and that I could help, would help her with her studies. And there was no doubt about it that Sister Rock had confidence in me and she said, you know, you're going to take care of her. And I really think that that's indicative of, of what we're here for in the first place. And she gave me a chance to act on my understanding of what God was and who God was and step in and care for someone else and put someone before myself, even in fourth grade. Um, so I remember her, and she's also a great softball coach, <laughs> but she gave me the opportunity to be the best me that I could, to be what she saw in me. And when we think about what God sees in us, it's nothing but the best. And she had confidence that I would step up to that. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. I love that Sister Rock. Right? Who's going to argue with Sister Rock? You know? <laughs> she was cool, though. She was one of the purple pantsuit nuns after Vatican II came through, and uh, they didn't have to wear the habit anymore. She was cool. All right. Nice. <laughs> yeah. Well, so uh, in talking about God, and, and of course God is known by many names, mm-hmm. uh, I love thinking of God as the divine creator. Mm-hmm. And so when you think of the divine creator, what? What comes to mind for you? Uh, Science. In the last maybe six or seven years, science comes to mind for me and the way that uh, we have been able to move forward and discover new things about the universe. And I, I think every time we learn something about the natural world, we learn something about God. We learn something about the creator and we get closer and closer to understanding uh, what an incredible God we have and how important it is for us to see our place in the world and understand our stewardship. But uh, like I was at the observatory two nights ago and was asking a scientist about the James Webb telescope, space telescope, because they had these huge images of outer space and different galaxies and they were beautiful and colorful and, and I didn't understand how Okay, we see in the visible light, we see in the light that has these colors around us. But the space telescope does not. It looks at the infrared where there's, no, there's nothing but zeros and ones. And I was asking him, how do the colors come around? And he went through this great explanation, which I'll spare you. But it just, it just was like, oh, man, God is so amazing. And the universe that God has created is, is so, it's telltale. It's its, it's, its own scripture. It's it, just opens for me and it just opens up my heart and my mind to see the grandness of God and I yeah that that's what I think of lately is science as a name for God uh, and think of other words that work with that but you know divine creator is is uh, certainly certainly one that I I fall on yeah love the energy of love you know the science the energy of love, love is an actual force that gets things done in the world, and that's that's God. You know, we the Bible tells us God is love. So, love with colors, love with you know water, love with all the things that the world is made of. Like you love the ocean, mm-hmm. and you go there, and I think I could speak for you when you say you get closer to God when you see the grandness of the the tides and the waves and the moon on the water and all of that. It's God calling us, saying, hey, you know, you think this is good. I made this. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I hope that helps. Yes. 
And that reminds me of how much you love the world, how much you love Earth and our mm -hmm. and, and the climate uh, care. And so that's an important facet of who you are. Uh, can you describe more about that? Well, I have to credit Harmony uh, for a, a leap that I took in my understanding of our care for the earth. Remember when we did the course on uh, the environment with Michael Dowd? Mm -hmm. And we dug into some really, really hard things. And there was a lot of, for me, like, wow, we are really messing up, you know? And we talked about fashion, fast fashion, and the cost to the oceans and the fibers that are in the ocean. Michael Dowd has good language for all of that. And, you know, I credit that course with a much more clear distinction for me where I'm like, what am I going to buy? What is, you know, do I need this piece of plastic? How many pieces of plastic do I have? Can someone else use these pieces of plastic? And I, I moved about a year and a half ago and once again, I went through every single thing that I own and decided, do I need this? Could someone else use it? Is it recyclable? Uh, and I just feel much more conscious about my effect and my footprint on the earth because um, it's, it's the only one we have and we have a lot of work to do. And I don't buy it when people say, well, you know, what if I do or I don't recycle this can? Is the world, yeah, well, no, but yes, it, it all adds up and we all have our responsibility and it teaches the next generation. They look at what we do. We model behavior that we hope mm. that they will also improve on. Uh, and I love this church that we can dig into those kind of things. We've done a lot of different things here that like on racism and sexism and trans issues. And we've had these great opportunities to be honest with ourselves and, and change, you know, reform ourselves and, and uh, reshape how we live. So You've taken opportunities to live into and, and always think through it and implement. It was sort of like I remember you telling me, hey, Mark, I'm going to take one year and I'm not going to buy any new clothes. Yep. Right? And <laughs> yeah. so you that held... that year, yes. Right? And you held mm -hmm. to it. Uh, I remember when you had talked to me about, hey, there's a great detergent, laundry detergent, mm -hmm. right? And, yeah. and it's eco-friendly. And so instead of using, I won't name the brand, right. but, you know, a Your laundry sheets. detergent, yeah. you know, use these <laughs> sheets and it helps yeah. the environment. And, you know, so I love that about you. And it's an important, I believe it's an important facet. And I'm just so glad that that study here at Harmony made an impact and a difference for you, which uh, sure did. Yeah, yes. pleases me to know that and, <laughs> and uh, thrills me. Um, so I want to go into, let, let's talk about change, because there's been a lot of change in your life. True. Um, and so the first thing that I'd like to ask in regards to change is, can you share about a time in which you resisted change, mm -hmm. uh, but later... You go, huh, I can see God was in the mix of that thing happening or uh, about your growth and your, your transformation. So what might that be for you? Uh, well, I started, you know, by saying that I went to a Catholic school and I went till eighth grade and then a public school for high school. And I didn't get exposed to the Bible. We didn't read the Bible in our, in our school. We, you know, we learned a lot of things about prayers and saints and you know, went to Mass, or yes, went to Mass. And uh, it, it felt pretty empty to me by the time I was in high school. And I stopped going, maybe when I was a senior. 
in um, a lot of things were going on that was like 1980, 1981, and evangelicals were going to jail for extortion and dishonesty, and I didn't like the praise music, and I love music. I found it repetitive and simple, that the theology wasn't very deep. Um, and so I stopped going, and I didn't really have an interest in continuing in church. I always had an interest in God, and I knew that you know God was always there. So for my pretty much my whole 20s, I avoided much contact with church had conversations with God that went something like, I'm having too much fun, God. <laughs> if I live through my 20s, I'll, I will consider what you are asking me to, because I, I did always know that there was something much better for me than what I was doing. I didn't see it. I, you know, there was no harmony church for me when I, I was mm. looking out there. So I lived pretty fast and furious in my 20s and did survive. And uh when I was 33, I had an experience. By then, I was attending an actual, a United Methodist Church, actually. And um, I had been married, and I had a child. And I went to a Good Friday service at this church. And it was a very small church with you know, mostly elderly people. And it was packed because they did a joint worship service with some other churches in the neighborhood. And I remember hearing during the sermon, the sermon was about, you know, Christ on the cross and uh, had a lot more guilt in it than I remember ever hearing in the United Methodist Church. I, maybe it was a guest preacher. I don't know. But I heard in my head an invitation to partnership. The word partnership appeared in my head. And I was immediately paying attention, like someone felt like they just said it right into my ear and really got my attention. I, you know, years and years later, I see that that's how the Holy Spirit works, speaks our language, knows what will touch our hearts, knows what's important to us. That's, you know, God through the Spirit saying, here, Beth, this is what you need to hear. I know it, it is. And it was. And I thought, oh, a partnership where I have some kind of role. I know I'm, you know, a much smaller role than God will play, but I, I, never, I never thought of a relationship with God in those terms where there was an actual relationship where I had responsibility for things. Mm-hmm. So that got me. It was, it was, it was over from that point. I was like, I am totally in. I, whatever it means, God. And I, I went through the list. I said, well, God, you're going to have to find me some new friends. I don't know. I'm going to want to lose all my friends. I need new music. I need new theology. Um, you know, can I wear my jeans? What, what's what's going to this change going to be like? So I resisted God uh, for a decade. And then uh, God got my attention. And I think that I can use all that resistance and that decade and relate to people who just feel like there is nothing that the church is offering that fits their spirit. You know, I believe that there is, and we just have to find new language, and there's lots of it out there, and there are other churches that have caught on and are giving a message of love, but that resistance, I can use it now, and I see it just changed my whole world after that, so... Things got better. Things were still difficult sometimes, but uh, I was—I I had a partner, very reliable, equipped partner, <laughs> yeah, creator of the universe. Yeah, he's on my side. She's on my side. <laughs> yeah. I love that the way you're describing it, Beth, because 
so often individuals look at God almost as a separatist. Mm-hmm. It's like it's a top-down kind of uh, viewing or when we say, hey, I have a relationship with God, but it's not really one in which you're working together. It's mm-hmm. still top-down and it's almost like, okay, God, you tell me what to do. And I love the way you described it as a partnership. Yeah, it uh, worked for me too, like that word. Oh, okay. Because we're partners. We're partners mm-hmm. here on earth and, and Christ is working with us, yeah. with us, mm-hmm. through us, and and that puts us uh, in a position where we have to also do the work. Right. right. And Jesus said, you'll do even greater things than I have. Like, what? You know, <laughs> okay. Maybe that's because with the power of so many more mm-hmm. than Jesus had around him at the time, we, we can. We can change the world for the better. That's right. Yeah. Preach. Preach okay. it. <laughs> That's so as we talk about change, so that was a resistance to change, but then have you experienced something that was a significant change that strengthened your faith or brought you closer to God? Yes. Um, and I can tell you a story about a time when I thought I was on the path that I was meant to be on and the path went a different direction. And uh, so I was 33 at that time. Eventually I got a job uh, with United Methodist Conference in Minnesota. I worked in urban ministry for five years. And during that time, I discerned a call to ministry and uh, answered the call, the literal come down the aisle from the the bishop at conference if you're feeling uh, moved by God toward ministry and someone will pray for you and sort of begin the the, uh, discernment process about what and where and all of that. So I, I answered, and I didn't know what that meant as far as what kind of ministry. Um, but eventually, I, I thought that I was to be ordained. And I, part of that process is to get a master's degree in divinity. And uh, so I enrolled at Claremont School of Theology, even though I lived in Minnesota. And I moved out here with my daughter at the time she was 14. And we st- she started high school, I started grad school together, and I went through the whole process, the academic side, you know, getting the degree. And then in the United Methodist Church, we have a pretty arduous uh, ordination process that runs parallel to the academic piece. And it's very, it's very personal, and you do a lot of writing about uh, theology and your relationship with God and your strengths and your weaknesses. And you lay out everything that's personal and maybe had been private before to you, a group of others to determine whether you are fit for ordained ministry. And it's a long process. It takes like a year. I did it three times, and I failed three times. And it was tough. I, I, I'll tell you something about it. The first time it happened, I understood, like, I understood why they said, no, come back next year, because I personally wasn't in a place to be able to be a healthy uh, clergy person for another congregation. I had some work to do, and that was just going to be a matter of time. The second time, I, I took a year off, and I went again, and uh, the second time, I was just crushed. I, I remember getting the email and standing up and just falling in a ball in the archway of, you know, between rooms in my apartment. I just, and I cried for like two weeks. I, 
I could not stop crying. And I guess I'm not done now. <laughs> I have some, some tears. But uh, I, it just hurt so much. And I, I needed a long time to like, even you know, think about it. And then I would talk to some people who were mentors for me, and I was encouraged to, to try one more time. And I'm like, wow, really? You know, how many times can I keep opening this vein, right? And so I, I did. I, I tried a third time. And uh, when I got that email that said I didn't make it, I just burst out laughing. And I was so relieved. And I, I felt so much lighter. And I, I had this many, many conversations with my partner, God, uh, about, okay, you know, I'll do it. I, I feel like I'm being asked to do it again. And I, I just felt like God just lifted me up and said, you know, good job, you know, good job. That, you know, I needed you to do that. You did that. Where is the redemption of all that? Where is the, you know, the blessing out of all of that uh, suffering and work? is I'm, I'm so much closer to God. I, I would never give up a minute of my seminary education, my, my colleagues, classmates, the, the fine, fine people who taught and, and mentored all of us. Uh, I wouldn't give up a minute of that. And it really made me go deep and really think about why do I believe? What is God omniscient? Is God omnipresent? Is God all-loving? Really, you know, all of these questions you have to seriously grapple with, and uh, I did, and I did three times, and I feel very, very confident about the God who created this universe and the fact that God only has love for us, and that every time we, we care about someone else, we are being God, and that that kind of energy can solve all of our problems. Mm -hmm. You know, it really can. And so, you know, I resisted and then found God as a partner. And then I did something very difficult and I got changed, you know, deeply changed. And Well, it just drew you closer to God. It drew me so much closer to God. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes I think, well, how much closer can I get? And then, (laughs) then, you know, I go to a meditation with Reverend Jefferson or I read... Terre Deschardins, or I read some of these authors and, and mystics, and, and I talk to a scientist at the Griffith Observatory, and, I, mm-hmm. and I, I have communion with my lovely family here, and I just like, wow, yeah, I can get a lot closer to God. Mm-hmm. I'll just, just open your eyes, just listen, just, you know, be available. Yeah. yeah. As you share that story, uh, I, I, I've, I got an image of, mm-hmm. of you, um, because sometimes in, in our lives, uh, when we break, you know, there's mm-hmm. fragments and it just, and you, you fall to pieces and all these broken pieces hit the floor and you, and, and you're not the same. Right. And I, the image that I get of you is it's almost like a stained glass window or a, <laughs> a, a, a magnificent mosaic because oh, you're taking all you. the pieces and now you're putting it in a different way. And then you can see that in such a much more wonderful and marvelous view hmm. of yourself. Uh, so I, I, I see you in that, that image. Thank you. You know, I, you remind me of a sermon that you uh, preached on. It, you used the process, the Japanese process, kintsugi? Yeah, I think it's kintsugi. Yeah, where the pieces of the pot, they're broken and then they're repaired with gold, which oh, yeah. makes them much stronger. And you know, I thought about that when I was, you know, 
just in my head while I was thinking about this question. And, you know, I cannot say that I've had devastating physical, emotional trauma in my life. I, I, I got lucky. You know, I just got lucky. Mm. So I, I hesitate to say something general or lame about, you know, we can take all of the pain in our lives and put them together with gold and then we're stronger because it's a lot of work, you know, and, and yeah. people can hurt people deeply. And I, I love that the church uh, is a place for all of us to come and, mm. and be real and be honest and to be careful about how we treat each other right. and, and not cause any more cracks, but maybe offer some gold to, to help piece things back together. Perfect segue to another question I've got for you, because I think, so isn't it interesting, you know, when you get to take uh, a chance to take a look back and you're like, why didn't that happen? Why didn't this happen? Mm -hmm. And, but it frees you when you realize, for an example, uh, you used to do a skid row ministry. Mm -hmm. And so you talk about offering and filling in the cracks, right, with gold. What was that like, a skid row ministry? Wow, it was Incredible. It, it, that is a transforming experience for sure. Um, so I taught a Bible study once a week for nine years. And after a couple of years, I had two partners. Betsy Anderson is a retired uh, Episcopal priest. And Professor Susanna Funston is a New Testament and Greek scholar, right? Mm-hmm. So in Skid Row, where you might say the poorest of the poor are, and a lot of people who are forgotten and and struggling, they had a professor of New Testament and a a (laughs) Episcopal priest and, you know, me, just someone who cares a lot on on the team. And I mean, we would read scripture and sit in a circle and just make it possible for people to tell their stories and talk about what the scripture means to them. And you want to learn something about scripture you know, open it with people who are different than you and, and hear what the Spirit has to say. You know, it, it, was, it was beautiful and it was terrible all in the same time. I have many, many stories of times when people would come in. We had a lot of regulars, and then almost every week we had somebody new. It's a very transient community, and it's a real neighborhood where people have lived for decades and have the things that neighborhoods have, um, but new people would come, and they might be reluctant, and they might, you know, sit in the back, or like, what are these three white women going to offer us? And many times at the end, when we would always get in a circle and pray for whoever had anything that needed prayer, and people would say, I had no idea this was happening here. I had no idea there was a safe place, because we you could come in drunk, you could come in high as a kite, you could come in as you are, uh, we've had people come in naked and we find some clothing. And as long as you're not hurting anyone, including yourself, stay, stay with us. If you fall asleep in the chair, good. You must have really needed some rest. You, your stuff's not going to get jacked. You're going to get some coffee. Uh, people are going to care about you. It's a safe place to be, and there's, there's very few places like that in Skid Row. So time after time, people would just marvel that God was there, you know, that God was in the room. That's what we brought, and it's, it's really sad uh, for me not to, to be going. We, we stopped when the pandemic, you know, didn't allow them to open the doors anymore. Yeah, I've, I've done a lot of writing about it and just 
journaling after the classes and so many spirit moments and immense acts of kindness, people one to the other. Um, you know, people who appear to have nothing give their last something to somebody who really needs it without anything, not even knowing their name. You know, people come in and where can I sleep for tonight? Well, they knew all of these things about the missions and what time they open and when is the lunch and all of the, you know, how can you get your ID? It, it's just a, a wealth of information there. And then to have this carved out holy place and holy time where, where we can just let in the light. We, we, we play music. We had music videos. Uh, it, was, it was great. It was really, I just learned so much about God and really about Jesus. Like Jesus mm-hmm. was out there with the people, mm-hmm. the people that others would scorn and, and, you know, shake their finger at Jesus. Why these people? What are you hanging out with these people? And, you know, some of the kindest, most s- smart, sweet, humble people I've ever met live in Skid Row, you know, mm-hmm. have lived and died in Skid Row, yeah. you know. Yeah, and so as followers of Christ, um, there are right now well over 70,000 people who are homeless Mm -hmm. in Los Angeles County. Uh, So when we we look at the marginalized, those who are uh, in need of a home, Mm -hmm. those who have food insecurity, uh, you and I could talk about this well <laughs> over 30 minutes to an hour just on this right. topic alone. Yeah. But what's one thing that we could do, uh, each individual can do, to help in this situation? Well, we could, you know, find other organizations that are already doing work and, and volunteer, which we do sometimes. Um, for instance, this next Sunday or on our fifth Sundays, we go and do something mission-wise, uh, and I think we're about to help at the, a tiny village, right? But I, I guess because so many more people are becoming homeless because they're being evicted after, you know, the pandemic and rent and all of that, I would maybe think with, of course, doing things to help people that are already, the nonprofits that are already out there, what about getting ahead of it? What, what about helping people not become homeless? And I I think about uh, uh, queer youth mm-hmm. who have been kicked out, and yes. you know what? Who's more equipped than than our congregation and congregations that are affirming to uh, mentor, to sit with, to care for, to you know wrap ourselves around kids who don't have a place to live? Like, could we start a house? Could we? Uh, you know, volunteer at a place that already is doing that. You know, the the LGBT center you mm-hmm. know, would be a great source for us to find out how can we come alongside youth so that they know that there are people who have got their back, that there are allies and there are mentors and there's hope out there. Mm-hmm. You know, for a, a much better life because you know, unfortunately, parents are still they're broken. I mean, they're they're throwing their children out onto the street. And, you know, in Skid Row, there are communities of gay youth and there's youth who are deaf and there's, you know, all these little tiny communities of people who are trying to cling to each other to, to put people around each other to be safe, first of all. Um, but I think that'd be a great opportunity for us. We could, you know, get, get our heads and our hearts wrapped around some kids, you know, who 
we, we have so many people here who've been hurt by the church, hurt by their families for the very same reasons that mm -hmm. these folks have been kicked out. And that can be so healing for others. That's one way that we can take our suffering, our experiences, and say, no one else, you know, not this one. You know, mm -hmm. let, let's help this one. Let's help these five. Let's help these girls and these guys and these kids, you know. I just would love us to do something like that, get ahead of it before they're, or they've just been kicked out, you know. But they have a long life ahead of them, and if we can interject and intercept and reroute them you know here here's here's some hope i think that's what we're we're meant to do right yeah so when we uh, talk about harmony we've gone through a lot of changes mm -hmm. right uh, pandemic Woo! hello <laughs> yeah. but we've implemented harmony kids we've mm -hmm. got harmony teens we've got harmony tots mm -hmm. what excites you about some of the stuff that's been happening recently um well i kind of I, it's weird to say that I loved this one part of the pandemic. Can, can a person say that? But when we had Zoom, we had you know church by Zoom before we went online, those were great. Those were like real conversations in our breakout group, groups and such. But we also did a Zoom parent, or new parents group, right? We had you know, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12 kids born in the time of the pandemic. Right. And uh, I, I really appreciate how we've... We were there then, when we couldn't be there in person, we, we found many ways to, to care for one another and to you know step in and uh, be family for each other even when we were separated physically. And then the way we've, I know it wasn't seamless, but it seems seamless that we moved into being online and addressing the community outside of the building and people all over the world can check out Harmony. I, 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 I'm really, proud of the way we have kind of taken our own lead and kept ourselves available to our church. I mean, many churches closed down, like they couldn't, mm -hmm. they couldn't do this. They didn't have the audio, the visual, all of the equipment and, and the, the heart and the skill. Um, we have so many talented people here that we pulled it off really well. And now, you know, those little kids who were born during that time, they're in our nursery, they're in, we have sort of a a one-room schoolhouse sort of, I think, family uh, vibe in our kids' program because we will have littles and mediums and teenagers together often. And I, it's very sweet, and, but it's also, I think, really well done. And I would be happy to have my children come and, and be taught and uh, cared for by the staff that we have. I think we have rigorous and you know, all the legal pieces plus even more, you know, uh, trainings that we've done with everyone who has anything to do with our children. Yeah, I think Harmony has stepped up and has, I think it already ha always has been a place of at least e attempted excellence. Mm -hmm. um, we've, you know, we, we pick ourselves up and we keep going. And, and it's interesting that it seems like every Sunday there's somebody brand new, mm -hmm. like who just <laughs> right. walked by or a friend of someone uh, and I think that's really cool. This this neighborhood is a lovely place to be. It's full of people who I think this message of love that we have uh, resonates with them. Um, I'm not sure why they're not all coming in here, but maybe it's because there's a building. I don't know. Well, the thing that we are learning is is that on typical attendance, it's one per month. Uh, but I uh, I think part of that also has to do with chance, risk, coming mm -hmm. into a new environment, yeah. but also 
it's just, it's just a step-by-step -step process, and we're not going to force anybody, right? We're not just, us. Uh, we open up <laughs> our arms, and yeah. we welcome everybody. Uh, and I, I really appreciate you, Beth, for there's so much that you do in the participation, but, you know, just every uh, just your support, and you su help support and participate with the Harmony Kids, just like I do. Love right? it. You yes, know? you do. <laughs> right? Uh, so it might be unusual for the lead pastor <laughs> to be uh, teaching, but, hey, that's what we enjoy doing because it allows me to be with the kids who I just adore and love and being able to, I think that's a great connector for the kids is suddenly they're with the pastor for a Sunday, Absolutely. right? Absolutely. While yes. also the gift of Rev Jefferson, mm -hmm. who's leading the yeah. meditation Sunday. Yeah. So it's a lot of fun. So we're almost uh, at the end of this. Um, I'm just wondering, has Harmony supported you in some way with the changes that have occurred in your life? Mm -hmm. Yes. So I think of, we're almost at six years, October will be six years. And I I came in just after the beginning, so maybe five and a half years. And a lot of things have happened in five and a half years. Uh, <laughs> yes. uh, you know, I think the, the very best thing is the friendships here. There are so many people that I trust, that I could share with, seem willing to share with me. Like, there's such an openness here that I really appreciate. And so because there has been that kind of support when I've struggled with things in the last five years, there's always been one or two persons. I'm an extrovert, but I would call myself an, a private extrovert. So I'm not, my stuff's not all out there all the time, but I do need one or two persons that I trust when I'm struggling with something or I have a question or I'm in pain. And I so appreciate that the church is where I can go. That that's the way it should be. I wish everyone I know would come here and just start to see what it means to have a faith community mm. where you can say, you know, it's a little old-fashioned to say, how is it with your soul? But, you know, what's going on with you? You know, where do you see God in your life? Or where, where do you wish God was in your life? Or, mm. you know, what does it mean to you to hear from a divine creator? Um, these are the things we can talk about here in general. This, this place has been, you know, really healthy for me. Uh, I love being here. Nice. So uh, I have one last question for you. If okay. you could change one thing about change, <laughs> one thing about change okay, itself, what would it be? But it can't be getting rid of change altogether. Just, no more change. How about that? <laughs> okay. Right. So what would it be? Okay. If we didn't have change, we would all just die, right? We have to have change. Uh, let's see. When I think about words, like comforting words like stability, some people find that comforting, um, reliability, dependability, those words help us feel grounded. We know what to expect. We're not going to be knocked off course by somebody's, oh, we're going to do this instead. That, that brings us some sort of comfort. And I guess if I was going to change change, I would hope that when we uh, meet change in our lives, which is always, that we release ourselves to feel that way, to feel like, oh, okay, this is a change. It's going to be new. It's, it's comfortable because I know it's, we're always doing that. We're always changing. This is how we grow. Oh, I have to grow. Okay, I'm about to grow. You know, um, once we stop growing you know, up physically, we're, we, we don't see that anymore. But you look at little kids and you know, we, we don't want them to stay that way. It's easy to be like, you know, you used to be in diapers and you couldn't reach the counter and you didn't know how to brush your teeth. 
it, it's easier for kids to see like now I'm in a better place because I'm actually growing. But uh, when we come up against a, a change that we are not happy about, I would hope that we could surrender a little bit to that. Um, you know, know that it, and make sure that it's safe. Not not mm-hmm. all suggestions that you change are healthy for you, and we have to be discerning. Uh, but I would hope that we could accept. Uh, that most changes are for our benefit. Even if we resist them, it might mean we have our own blockage where, oh, I don't want to let go of that because I'm comfortable with that. But like in my case, you know, I I let the resistance go and let God be a partner and opened up my, the whole world and the universe, which I'm fond of. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it is so great to be able to spend time with you, Beth. Thanks, and, and Mark. I, you too. And I know that uh, everyone listening is getting that blessing as well. And hey, you know what? Uh, I, I think that people might enjoy throwing a football with you and oh, uh, the two of gosh, us, right? Oh, my gosh, can we? Yes. <laughs> you know, we love throw throwing footballs football. out in the lawn, don't we? <laughs> yes. Right? So just want to say thank you to everyone. Yeah. Again, it is uh, just a joy to be able to connect with everyone listening to the Harmony podcast, and we look forward to the next experience to share with you as well. And we just, again, want to thank Beth Mueller for the honor and the pleasure of this conversation today. Thank you. My pleasure. Peace. Thanks for listening to Our Story, the podcast with your host, Pastor Mark Stevenson. This month's guest was Beth Mueller, and this episode was recorded and mixed by me, Donna Miller, with production support by Jace Lucas. Don't forget to like, rate, and subscribe to Our Story, the podcast, so you never miss a new episode. You're listening to the Harmony Podcast Network, sponsored in part by Hollywood United Methodist Church. Find us on Instagram at Harmony underscore TLC and on Facebook at Harmony TL. We'll see you next month for a conversation with Gaddison. Until then, as Pastor Mark likes to say, peace. <laughs>